0: So we have a continuation of our series on revival. Revive us again, O oh Lord. It's a great word from our head pastor. Let's give my dad a warm welcome. Now oh, you guys are already right in the middle of it. You're wallowing <laughs> in it. You're wallowing in the Holy Ghost joy today, aren't you? Mm. You know, uh The more we study about revival, the more we realize uh, how much there is to learn and to grow and to be excited and revel in it. So we are we are going to be continuing through the month of May in this one series. But when you really think about it, the whole New Testament is about revival. So you know it's always about revival. But we'll be looking forward in the future to stuff we we may not may not get to in this series. We'll be highlighting over the next year um, several sermons um, sporadically through our other teachings and preaching times. a refresh on different historical revivals that are based in the Word of God and totally invigorating, inspiring, and propelling us into deeper levels of personal and collective revival together. We experienced as a church a healing revival in 2008 that was linked uh, uh, organically to Todd Bentley's ministry in Lakeland, Florida. And we had, like I believe it was four months of almost every night Healing services led by my son in the Lord, Richard uh, Larkham, who just happens to be living in the UK. He's from the UK, but he's visiting today with uh, his son Aiden. Wave at oh, Aiden's in with the youth group. But Richard, come up and tell us some of the highlights. Give Richard a warm welcome. He's going to take a couple minutes. Richard was on staff for us for five years, it's been a few years since that, that happened, but uh, you know, as you think back about the healing revival in 2008 that uh, we got, we had the honor of hosting and you led, um, tell us some of the things that were most exciting to you about that and, and give greetings to everybody.
1: I will. Hello. Hello. It's, it's lovely to see everyone, lots of familiar faces. Uh, Fifteen years ago, I was sitting with Aiden thinking about, he was in the front pack, At the Holy Street Chapel uh, during that time, you know, spent most of the time in the front pack and there he is, 15, so 15 years is quite a long time. Um, Yeah, we had a lovely time. Um, Can you hear me? Okay, that's better. You can hear me. Um, Who who can remember that sort of time 15 years ago? There you are. Bless you. I suppose, um, I suppose the lakeland thing happened around the same time but it wasn't it didn't wasn't a cause of anything here god was already moving and and stirring something and i remember in particular we we had we we were i was listening to some recordings about the argentina revival and uh, and and how the holy spirit sort of first broke out in argentina in 1949 and I remember the person on there on the CD saying, my earliest memories were of revival when I, was a, when I was a little boy in Ashland, Oregon. And describing being at, the I guess, the first Baptist church in Ashland in the 1920s, a hundred years ago now. Um, and talking about how his dad was the pastor of this little Baptist church in Ashland and the Holy Spirit began to move. And they, had, they ended up having these meetings at the Chautauqua, they called it, which is now the site of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, I guess. Um, OK, Cabaret So they had a thousand. Pe- the population of Ashland was a thousand people then, and they had 5,000 every night in this, in this place, and uh, uh, all, all just extraordinary stories. And so we were listening to that and thinking, well if you did it then, why not now, you know, and we just began to pray, and some of the, some of the precious people who prayed that one in are in heaven now, um, and I think God just began to move, and it was happening anyway, so the Lakeland thing was, it was just a moment, uh, I suppose a time when there was a heightened level of expectancy, and it was marked, I think, by lots of wonderful healings. I remember one lady drove from Chiliquin, which is what 90 miles away something and her name was Joyce and she came we we're in the Holly Street Chapel there we were having meetings every night as, and people were just coming from all over it was amazing and she came in with her oxygen tank and she had pulmonary arterial hypertension she was very very sick and um, she came uh, just hungry for a touch from God and I remember We just pray I don't know, didn't know what was wrong with her, just during the worship, just going and praying for her and she sort of fell out and uh, for a while and when she got up she 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 told the story afterwards. She was lying out in kind of in the spirit and she said to God, I feel like I'm healed. And she said, Give me a sign that I'm healed and at the same time someone else on the prayer team was over the other side of the room in the worship. And they heard the Holy Spirit say, go and find, he saw a picture of a brooch. And, and the Holy Spirit said, go and find the person who owns this brooch and tell them they're healed. So she, walk, she walked around looking for this. And just as she got into this side of the room, Joyce took her oxygen off and stood up. And she noticed the brooch and said, oh, the, the Holy Spirit says you're healed. And, and she, was, she was so powerfully impacted, she came back the next day with our evangelism teams and went all over the mall and <laughs> prayed for people and came back that evening and about six months later I think probably maybe more there was someone visiting the church that Sunday morning and, so, and I said oh hello hi and I said where are you from and they said Chilliquin. I said oh I remember a lady called Joyce from Chilliquin. And, and the man who was visiting said yes he, she's the reason I'm here today and I said well how is she well you wouldn't believe it. She started a healing rooms ministry. She, she said, he said before she came, she couldn't walk more than three steps without being just totally out of breath. She was so ill. Um, uh, and she, she said for six months now, she's just got all this energy. She's completely better. She doesn't need her oxygen. She's bouncing around, started this ministry. And that was the sort of thing that was going on. But it was happening every night. There was people coming and uh, i could tell many stories like that and it was just a wonderful time and so yeah that was 15 years ago but god's the same yesterday today and forever amen. i think one last thought just this he's the reward you know amen i think if if you if anything else is necessary to your happiness then it's an idol And if you've got to have revival, by which you mean, I don't know, lots of big meetings and lots of miracles happening, and if you've got to have that, then it could be an idol. Because he's enough. And the wonderful thing is, you don't have to have a big external thing on show that everyone can see, you can have him. And you can have him now. And you don't have to pray him in. <laughs> he's now. He's here. He's available. And friendship with God is the real revival. Yes. And it's really the most important thing. So if there's every, anything in your life that you need to be happy, whatever it is, you make the list. He's, he is the reward. You get to have him. He's the one that makes you happy.
2: Yes, that's so true.
1: And everything else is a plus. And he wants to be first and only. And then he can do all sorts of things. But it doesn't really matter because you have him. God bless.
0: Richard's only here for two weeks, and he's seeing his, his kids and enjoyed a good little uh, vacation break with them. And I tried to talk him into preaching for us, but he, we respect the fact that he wanted all the time prepared uh, you know, for his kids. But I wonder how many of you would like to have him come back and <laughs> preach for us sometime. Yeah, we yeah, do that. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. You guys are such worshipers. It's scary. Ooh, beautiful, beautiful, scary. Oh, well, let's pray. Jesus, as we think about revival and your resurrection, we are remembering it's not just about Easter, Resurrection Sunday, but it's, a, it's fundamental and central to your whole message that stirs your church globally every day. And so right now as we talk about that element with Peter. We want to remember the reason for the resurrection was to confirm, to affirm the blessings that come from the cross. So right now, we pray this prayer. Would you pray this after me? We praise you, Jesus, that that you took our place, that you bore our sin, that you became our curse, that you, became our curse. That, you our penalty, that you endured our penalty and that you died our death, and died our death. Hallelujah. hallelujah and that you rose from the dead in Peter's run to revival you remember we've been talking about that in Peter's run to resurrection revival he had he had at least 5 major, dramatic, shocking experiences related to the resurrection of Jesus. The ladies saying about the empty tomb, he and John ran to the empty tomb, saw it was empty. Paul in First Corinthians 15 says, Jesus appeared to Peter. Then we have two, all the disciples together experiences of the resurrected Christ and Peter was present both of those then Jesus called them to Galilee they walked 40 miles north and Peter went fishing they see this they had a horrible time fishing as some of you know I have had (laughs) and uh, they hear this guy in the beach with a campfire next to him yell out hey how's fishing going try casting your net on the other side and they recognize the voice of of jesus peter jumps in the water swims (laughs) they catch john counts them 153 fish he's a man of great detail and uh he runs in and they jesus has been fishing already god bless him and uh they uh, have breakfast together and then Jesus pulls Peter aside and has a personal encounter with Peter to impart to him a refresh on his vision. Upon this rock, I will build my church, feed my sheep, love me by loving my sheep all the days of your life before you go to glory. These dramatic experiences Experiences. And then Peter finds himself on the day of Pentecost with 120 saints. They're worshiping God. And the Holy Spirit descends on them in tangible form. It's never happened before. And when that happens, it's the culmination of of 40 days of Jesus appearing to the disciples, talking to them about the fact that the Holy Bible has talked about the resurrection of Jesus and his substitutionary atonement all through the pages of the Bible. The Holy Spirit is confirming that, empowering them. And all of a sudden, Peter has this full, Awareness, a full conviction. You know the difference between an opinion and a conviction? An opinion is just your thoughts. A conviction is you know this is true. And Peter is obsessed, possessed with the Holy Spirit, possessed with a dream, a vision, the words ringing deeply in his heart, You are not Simon anymore. You are Petros. You're the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. The Holy Spirit's poured out. Peter stands up and he knows that it is this foundational sermon that will be the rock, the experience upon which the whole church into the future till Jesus comes back will be built. And he stands up. And the Spirit gives him the words to say, and he says the words I'm about to read to us today. Acts 2, verse 14. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose. So happy they were they thought they were drunk. Since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see dreams. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your, old, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my... Men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and you've crucified him, put him to death, whom God raised up. Having loosened the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced, my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to seek corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. I want to talk to you about how Peter and his friends took Jerusalem by storm. Jerusalem, according to Tacitus, a Roman historian in the first century, has about 500,000 people living in the city when Peter is preaching this sermon. And Jesus' prophetic word just ringing in his heart that I'm starting it with you and I'm starting it here. He preaches and 3,000 are immediately, instantaneously born again and baptized. Born from heaven, born from above. Their spirits which are dead have become fully alive in connection with God. There's an intimacy with God established that hadn't been seen on the planet since Adam walked with God in the garden. And now it's here in its fullness. And it is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that isn't just a little bit or even even something that happens just one time. It is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that is continual and without measure. There's no limitations to it. And the only thing that hinders it is the inability or the the, uh, unwillingness of people to... In childlike faith, I was emphasized this morning in the prophetic word, to receive it. So only limitation. The only limitation to our receiving more and more of the Spirit is our unwillingness to believe it could be this true and this easy. Oh, I love my preaching. I, I really love this preaching. I, I love it mostly because it's true. It's true stuff. It's inadequately expressed, but baby, it is good and it is true. Peter's world is rocked to the core. He's shaken. He's seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. The tangible presence of the Spirit has flooded him. He has been, over the last 40 days, taught by Jesus the, all the Old Testament scriptures about him. And somehow it's all co- uh, collated into this wonderful synergistic dynamic reality, this paradigm for his future. I now have a reason to live, and I'm going to drag as many people along helping me to see this purpose fulfilled. That's the purpose for the cause of Christ to get this message out jesus is alive faith in him will give you eternal life and fellowship with him as in a best friend connection forever supernatural joy flooding you peter is uh, quite a happy person first talking point after that introduction (laughs) is that in this perfect storm where jerusalem is taken and by the way it's not fully taken the elect in the city are taken. The chosen ones are taken. In that generation, in that day, the ones that are ready to be born from above are taken. Not all 500,000 turned to Christ. There was a preliminary revival John the Baptist led three years earlier. Do you know how many people from Jerusalem walked the 20 miles to the Jordan River to see John the Baptist? Do you know? Mark tells us in Chapter 1, verse 1, the whole city. Wow. So they all turned to repentance. So there was, there was this preparation. But we know that on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 come. And a few days later, it says there were 5,000 men, which must equal about 20,000 people at least at that point. Shortly thereafter, persecution hits. And whereas the disciples and apostles, they stay in the city, everybody else... Everybody else, 20,000 or more, are scattered. And they light fires everywhere. They just light fires everywhere. And there's no putting them out. It's too late to stop it. Too late to stop us. So, first talking point. In this perfect storm of taking Jerusalem and Samaria and the other parts of the earth... First factor in this perfect storm for revival is an outpouring of ever-present Jesus joy. Peter refers to it in David's prophecy about Jesus. This prophecy is both about Jesus and David and you. It's a threefold fulfillment. So listen up, David Mickelson, it's for you too. It says, you will not, uh, verse 28, you will not leave my soul in Hades, Jesus, David, you. You will not leave your soul in Hades. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Did he allow Jesus to see corruption? Raise him from the dead. David was redeemed by Jesus. Even though David lived a 1,000 years before Jesus, he's redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The cross transcends time. Resurrection transcends time. No, you will make me full of joy in your presence. David, Jesus, you, full of joy. You will not see corruption either. You will never taste death. It's one thing you miss by being a Jesus person. It's only one thing that you miss. You'll never taste death. I love it. It says, nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. Jesus is the holy one. David, Bloodbot, is the holy one. The Greek word there is the same word for saint. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? And you are a holy one. It's the foundation for, foundation for revival. Your, your full, embracing, of the reality, that you're a saint. Your childlike faith has so taken it into you that it permeates you, body soul and spirit. Sainthood. I am holy and blameless in His sight. And you are making me full of joy in Your presence. Hallelujah. It's a repeated refrain we've seen in other messages on revival. We see it in Luke. When Jesus ascends into heaven, they went to the temple with joy, and they praised God every day for 10 days with great joy, the word says. We see it, the spirit being poured out, so much joy with it that people thought they were drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. They were so joyful to the, the spirit is joy. We see it 30 years later that Peter talks about that wonderful verse. You have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Joy unspeakable. And I want to say about joy that no one should be folding their arms in self-pity and saying, how come I don't have any joy? Because joy is there for the taking. It's a meal set before you, but honey, you've got to eat it. You've got to drink it. You've got to press into it and take it. It's a choice. It's a choice to partake of joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. We see it in the revival with John Wesley. The joy of the Lord had to be his strength. In every revival, there's things that go south. For instance, in one month, John Wesley says, May 5th, in his journal, I preached at St. Anne's, and I was asked to not come back. (laughs) Seven days later, I preached, and the deacon said I couldn't come back. Seven days later, I preached on the street, and I was kicked off the street. May 26th, preached in a meadow and chased out by a bull. Now would you agree with me that joy needs to be a choice. <laughs> if you're going to have strength from joy, you need to recognize it's a fountain that's available to drink, but you've got to drink. Because if you could be overwhelmed by these circumstances. Preached in the meadow, chased out by a bull, May 26th preached on the edge of town and kicked off the highway. Then June 2nd, preached in a pasture, 10,000 came out to hear me. Now, what I would do in immaturity is say, is whine about the first entries, have a self pity party infused by demonic lies, and I'd only be happy when the 10,000 came out to hear me preach. I probably wouldn't have even got there because I'd be so bummed out by the other experiences. John Wesley understood joy is a resource, it is a decision we must choose joy. Choose joy. Turn to the person next to you and say, "Choose supernatural joy." I mentioned to you in other sermons a quote by Alexander Knox, a pastor of that era of that revival, First Great Awakening, regarding John Wesley: "So fine an old man I never saw; the happiness on his happiness of his mind beamed through his countenance." Every look showed him fully happy. What a testimony. So, perfect storm, factor number one, outpouring of ever-present joy. We've seen it in other sermons about revival. It's because it's so emphasized in the Bible. It is such an important feature, an important factor. Perfect storm factor number two, a brand new way of understanding the Bible. A brand new way of understanding the Bible that fully energizes and propels us into mission, propels us into ministry, invigorates us and stirs us. Peter has absolute confidence. This triad of, of seeing the resurrected Christ again and again, plus the tangible presence of God flooding him, plus this revelation that that. All this has been prophesied about. The Old Testament is always about Jesus. He's right when he told the Pharisees, You search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but they speak of me. Peter refers to Psalm 16 in the reference we just read. And he refers to Joel. That's just the tip of the iceberg. We see Jesus in all the Old Testament. Would you agree with me that Jesus is the seed of the woman that will bruise Satan's head, the serpent's head in Genesis? Would you agree with me that in the book of Exodus, he's the Passover lamb? Would you agree with me that he's the high priest in Leviticus? That he's the bronze serpent on the pole, that you just look at Jesus like they looked at that bronze serpent on the pole and were healed. You just look to Jesus in faith and you're healed, body, soul, and spirit. That he in in that's in Numbers. In Deuteronomy, he is the lawgiver that is like Moses. He's the prophet like unto Moses. Only the law is spelled G-R-A-C-E. In Jesus' theology. He is the captain of the Lord's army in Joshua. He's the he is the kind and good judge in the book of Judges. He is the husband in Ruth that covers his bride the church, protects the bride, his bride the church, covers, covers her, protects her, loves her. And it goes on and on and on. He's the great David's greater son in Psalm 110. He's the son of man in Daniel 7. He is the subject of the whole Bible. Yes, he is. On the road to Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us when he opened the scriptures to us regarding himself? Let's pause for a moment. We need to relax, relax for a moment. I've been pretty intense. Take off and. Any stress? Everybody okay? Don't answer if you're not. How, do you un- how did you understand the Bible before you came to Christ? Hmm. The disciples did not understand the scriptures, but then they did. And it, boy, it energized them. It propelled them. It stirred them. It motivated them. The Catholic Church, for hundreds of years, lots that I like about I hate to have to take time to qualify this every time. You guys know there's lots I like about the Catholic Church. Some things I don't like about it. One is that for hundreds of years, they said that the only ones that can interpret the Bible is the Pope and the priests and the monks. So that's why we're going to keep it in Latin so you can't even read it. It's a bad understanding. It's a bad paradigm to approach the scriptures. The Pharisees only saw law. Their paradigm was faulty. The guy coming out of Safeway last week that said, I don't think that the apostles, uh, Paul and the other apostles, uh, apostolic writings in the New Testament are the word of God. Only the words of Jesus and only some of them. My mouth just dropped like, wow, I haven't come across this one for a while. <laughs> Deists, like Thomas Jefferson, a book of morals, let's delete everything that smacks of the supernatural. So called progressive Christianity that only references and utilizes Bible verses that reinforce the sex the sorry, the not sex the self actualization movement where you become your own God, small g and only Look at verses in the Bible that reinforce that notion. Well, I want to tell you, Peter and friends understood true self-actualization. Give myself to a person, Jesus. Give myself to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Give myself together with my friends to his cause. That is self-actualization, par excellence. It is the ultimate experience of what it means to be fully human, to be filled with the Spirit, living out your destiny in Jesus Christ. We have a perfect storm brewing in Jerusalem where thousands will be saved and then on to Samaria and on to the world, even as far as southern Oregon. An outpouring of ever-present Jesus joy, a brand new way of understanding the Bible an outpouring of the holy spirit triggered by praise and worship. Luke, they continually were in the temple praising God with joy. Acts 2. We hear them we hear them speaking in our own tongues the worship of God. We hear them worshiping God in our own tongues. Holy Spirit-sponsored praise in the anointing of the Spirit. The church, as John Stott has put it, and I've quoted it before, I can't get away from it. The church preaches to answer questions raised by its worship. You know, in different revivals, I've mentioned in other sermons in this series that music has played a big part of worship and praise. In the first great awakening in England, an unknown writer wrote that great hymn, Come Now, Almighty King. Help us, Thy praise, to sing. Help us to praise. Father all-glorious, O come reign over us, ancient of days. It was a song that stirred in the spirit praise and worship in the colonies, and in the UK, in England, in the mid-1700s. And you know what, Richard, you were talking about the revival of 2008 at New Song. And you know, that's just not us reminiscing about the good old days. Everything that God has done in our life as a church or in your life, in your journey with him, is a very present reality to Jesus. And he is fully celebrating it with you all the time. It's a present reality to him, so it can be to you and to me as well. The Toronto Revival, where over 5,000 people came to Toronto, Canada in the first five years of the revival, including us, they picked up that song, Come Our Almighty King, and they sang it one night, in a way that I want us to listen to just now, but I want you to catch not just the words that are being sung. We're going to play about two minutes of it. I want you to see what it does in terms of stirring worship and praise. It happened in the mid-1700s. It happened in 1995 when the Toronto Revival started. And it is a present reality and blessing to God that we can pick up on and feed. We can feed on this morning. Will you listen to it with me? Let the Spirit stir you and enjoy this experience of the Toronto Revival, singing a song from the First Great Awakening. And in doing that, recognize how it triggers spontaneous Praise in the Holy Ghost. Let that happen for you. Will you please right now? in our services there's people here that you're just new to the whole concept of being a full-on Jesus person it's foreign to you You feel like I I have to learn a bunch of stuff I have to I have to study this some more and I'm telling you Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be first you can jump to the head of the line just by turning to Jesus. Yeah, there's stuff to learn. There's stuff to grow in. There's maturity. But you can be a full-on Jesus person with a baptism of the Holy Spirit without measure starting today. And it will last forever. It'll last forever. I feel like there's people here that you're saying to yourself, Man, it's not working with me in charge. Jesus is knocking at the door of your life. He's saying, How about you letting me be in charge? You think, Well, I'd just be miserable trying to be a Christian. Honey, you're miserable now. (laughs) You might as well be miserable and go to heaven. But the truth is, He deletes miserable. It's the devil that tells you you're, miser- you're going to be miserable. Jesus gives abundant life. And he gives you the option for supernatural joy and purpose together. Say hallelujah. It's a good day today for many of you. Join hands across the aisle. Join hands. This can happen for you at home too. and Watching our television show on Fox 26 this morning with your cup of coffee. You can just say yes to Jesus today. Just say yes to him. All you need to do get things started with him. My friends today if you are one of those that this Holy Spirit is telling me about today I want you to squeeze hard the hand of the person next to you. Just squeeze it for a moment and by that say I am receiving my start with revival Jesus today I'm starting today I'm receiving him I'm responding today and for those of you that just had your hand squeezed squeeze the hand back and say I'll be praying for you and if you want I'll take you out for coffee I'll I'll, I'll talk to you I'll I'll help disciple you into ever-increasing levels of joy and please know that we are here as a church to come alongside and disciple you into ever-increasing levels of supernatural joy and purpose for your life. Not that you will never get chased out of a field by a ball (laughs) or have a baby cry. (laughs) But I tell you, it's great when we work together to see the kingdom come. Lord Jesus, we say amen. We say amen. We say amen to Peter and friends storming Jerusalem and the world. And we say it is our intention to storm Medford and the cities of Southern Oregon and the world. World, here we come. Say it loud. World, here we come. World, here we come. In Jesus' name. If you'd like healing prayer or any other miracle, come to the front. We have a team ready to pray for you. Thanks for being with us today. We have a baptism service next Sunday. If anybody wants to get in on that, come talk to me afterwards today. Get in touch with me this week. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. Jesus loves you. We love you. Have a good afternoon.